0: Here's the truth. I didn't know if you could cut your mother out of your life. I didn't know if that was something that was allowed. So I Googled it, and Google said yes.
1: Dickie, it's your mother. No, you never call me. I mean, I wonder, is your finger broken?
2: Just don't tell my mother. It's your mother. 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 No, you never call me. Just don't tell my mother. Just don't, just don't. Don't tell, don't tell.
1: Don't, don't, don't. Where the hell are you? You are never home.
3: Hello, my family. It's Nikki Levy and welcome back to Don't Tell My Mother. I'm so happy to be here with you. Man, it has been, we're all crazy. It is a crazy time. How are you guys doing? Are you okay? Are you all right? Do you wanna talk? Please slide into my DMs at don't tell my mother or at Nikki Levy. I am always around. I answer messages left and right on the toilet bowl or when I'm procrastinating. It's just a lot of crap going on. Uh, I wanna just say, I go next week to my doctor. Uh, I've been talking a lot about the fertility stuff, and um, we're actually going to be seeing a new doctor, and we go next week. We've waited a long time for this appointment, and I'm really excited, and I'm nervous, and I had therapy this morning, and discussed some of the things that I was nervous about. You know, I'm a neurotic Jew, so what am I nervous about? I'm nervous of all the ways the kid could die. The kid's not even born yet. I'm nervous about all the ways the kid can cause me heartbreak i mean literally there is no kid and this is where my neurotic jewish crazy anxious attachment brain goes so uh if you guys are feeling nuts i just want to tell you you are in good company and uh This is the right episode because we have one of my best friends. Um, We have performed together in L.A. a hundred times, New York, Chicago, Orlando. She is one of the most successful touring comics out there and she is the winner of NPR's Snap Judgment if you guys are fans of that show. I am talking about Jen Kober. You have seen Jen on the Netflix show Dead to Me. I know. I love that show. The Righteous Gemstones on HBO, uh, Diary of a Future President on Disney Plus and she's coming out out in the newest season of Black Monday on Showtime. She's fabulous. This story, uh, it's basically a story of semen. Get your mind out of the gutter. It's a nautical story about men at sea. Give it up for Jen Kober. Enjoy, have a drink, have a snack. Here's me and Jen right after this.
2: Hello, Jen Kober. Hello,
0: Nikki Levy.
3: How are you today? Jen, I'm so happy to be here with you. You and I have known each other for 110 years because you did, if not the first, one of the very first live Don't Tell My Mother shows here in L.A. Yes. Weren't we in like the lobby of a theater? We weren't like even in the
0: theater. We were in the the lobby (laughs) where people waited to get into a show (laughs) that was going on we were in like the vestibule of the theater. Yeah, it was. I remember looking out and second row is Tracy Ellis Ross. She was in the audience. She'd come to see the show because you asked her to do the show. So she wanted to like see what it was. And I'm like, am Uh, I performing for Tracy Ellis Ross in the lobby of the theater on Fairfax? Like just in an open window as if I I was a
3: mannequin. This is hilarious, Jen. I totally forgot Tracy did. Come she was there, yes. But there was a show where Demi Moore came with no oh, daughter. Demi Moore, uh, I Demi Moore that? and Reese
0: Witherspoon came together to a show I was doing at the comedy store once. And I was <laughs> like, like, what is happening right now? How am I doing like Southern uh, jokes about, you know, my mama and eating pie? And in front of Reese Witherspoon and Demi Moore you know, in the middle of Hollywood. So you're the draw. Wherever you perform, Demi comes and Reese comes. Look, I like to make all the ladies come. That's what I like (laughs) to do. (laughs) You're
3: looking good these days, Jen. Thank
0: you. You know, I've got them. a little more drip these days. That's for sure. I took my PPP loan and, and had to buy new clothes with it. Uh, <laughs> because that's a business expense. I have to wear something on stage. You do. I, I lost a little bit of weight during this pandemic. Uh, I had enough fat to live off of for 15 months. So I got rid of some of it, and so nothing fit me. I looked like a I looked like a boat in everything I went to put on, and I was like, I have to get some clothes that fit me. You know, my grandmother would be so proud. That's all she ever said to me when I was a kid. Can you just get some clothes that fit you? Why Why has everything got to be so damn big, Jennifer? It's because it's comfortable. I know. Isn't it? I know. And I like to. I'm one of those people that likes to wear my pants. Uh, a, a little low on my hip. I just yeah. do. And so sometimes to get them big enough to get around my hips, they're a little bit baggy in other places. And so and I only have like four inch legs. I'm like a little dachshund. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> Jenny, you're doing so many cool things. I mean, back when I first met you, you were new in L.A. You were kind of, you know, amazing comedian. But I mean, you know, we're talking 10, 11 years later, you're going to be in Black Monday. You did Dead to Me. You have a super secret project that I know, but I will not say anything about. I know. I wish we could say it. I know. I know. That's okay. But the coolest of them all, it's not the coolest, but I think it's one of the coolest. We performed in a Pride special together for Audible just this past June where we told really gay stories. And you told a wonderful story about falling in love with two girls named Jennifer at Jewish summer camp.
0: Yes. This was a very important summer because I, I crushed on a, a very important girl and also uh, did stand-up for the first time.
3: Wow, so this really stuck with you. I am still
0: friends with Jennifer Baxter and Jennifer L. The two Jennifers? Yes,
3: I still hang out with them. Are any of them gay?
0: No, they both have husbands and families and children.
3: Oh, Jen, Jen, it happens to the best of us. Why did you end up a comedian instead of, say... A doctor, an accountant. I know a dispensary owner. I know you appreciate some good weed. I have
0: no other skills. This is the truth. I was always uh, a book reader, a storyteller, a liar. I was a liar as a child. (laughs) I would tell my my Jennifer Baxter and I were just having a conversation on the phone, and she said that when we were in third grade, I told. Her that I had a sister that lived in Venezuela. And (laughs) Venezuela, (laughs) I was a child. Where did I pull Venezuela from? that I had a whole story that I was um, adopted, that these were not my real parents, which makes so much sense. I so was trying to escape my mother, even at a young age. (laughs) I don't even know where Venezuela is. If you said to me right now, point out Venezuela on the map, I would look at you and say, I went to public school in Louisiana. There is no flipping
3: way I can point out Venezuela. I think it's in South America, I think. How does being a liar, I love that you're owning this. How does being a liar help being a comedian? Well, I mean, it's,
0: you can take the the lies that your head sort of spins in a natural way and make them a what if scenario in a comedy bit, right? Like, would it be awesome if this were the truth? And And then you sort of spin what that world would be like. And so you get to like live out those fun little fantasies that happen in your head on stage without hurting people or making people think you're insane because you can't deal with reality. You're constantly lying. Right. Everything that I talk about really happened. It's not like I'm pulling the shit out of my ass. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a writer. I'm spinning a tale. I'm not a reporter. I take some license. I exaggerate. I smoke a lot of pot. Things come out that sometimes are just outrageous. And that's what the funnier thing is. And so that's
3: what I say when I say it again. Is there something in particular in your life that has been very painful that's become an amazing source of comedy? Yeah. My mother. I mean, for God's sake. (laughs) This woman has had me arrested at
0: least five times for talking about her on stage. Do you know how much street cred you lose in the joint when your crime is talking about your mama? Do you understand that somebody is seriously going to steal your fruit cocktail? There is no way I am going to get out of this without a fat lip. Like, she and I don't mix. We don't mix. She is insistent upon going nuclear with me every time we have any kind of interaction. And I am not interested in having my peace disturbed. It took me a long time to find peace. And when I did, I am clinging to it with everything I have.
3: I just need to ask this one thing. How could she have arrested you for talking about her? What because she, she took said out a, she
0: took out a restraining order, and part of the restraining order was a gag order that I was not to talk about it, not to talk about her on stage, oh. because she said that it was uh, threatening her life. Okay. She was afraid that uh, someone was going to harm her because of things I said about her on stage. In court, she literally said. I'm not worried about Jennifer hurting me. I'm worried about the John Hinckley's of the world. And I was like, bitch, is somebody John Lennon in this scenario? Like, (laughs) I'm worried about the Mark David Chapman's. What? Nobody shot Lennon's mother. Like, (laughs) what are you talking about? So, you know, she has a very inflated... Yes, she has some limitations. You know, here's the truth. I didn't know if you could cut your mother out of your life. I didn't know if that was something that was allowed. So I googled it, and Google said yes. So I was like, "Great! <laughs> this, I can just cut toxic people out of my life, and that's it. I yep. will not be, I will not be made to feel less than
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, by you right. at all."
3: Did you grow up fitting into your family, or just feeling very different from all of them?
0: No, I was always very different from all of them. Uh, mother was not accepting at all of uh, me coming that. out. I didn't know that. And she told me if I told my father, it would kill my father, that I had to keep this secret. And I did for a couple of years. And then, you know, I shave my head. I start wearing neckties. I'm clearly only hanging out with one girl. And I'm talking about her all the time. And finally, I just, my mother and I got in a fight. And she was like, don't you dare tell him. And I was like, I screamed at him, like, dad, I'm gay. And he was like, yeah, no shit. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean come I mean, on, Jen. I got this it, is... you know, and, and it didn't kill him and it wasn't awful. And I don't think I ever forgave her for not, for 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 making me do that, for making me swallow something that my father was A, fine with, and B, already knew, like, what? Mm-hmm. So she and I just don't mix. We don't mix. Mm-hmm. She, We are, I would dare say, and I hate to say this, yeah. I hate to say this, but we are very much alike. See, that's the thing. Yeah. And she refuses to be like we there is no meeting in the middle. She so many lines have been crossed. I mean, once we bring the law into it. Right. Yes. Like, once I have to pay a lawyer and see you in a courtroom, I'm done. You have yes. shown me who you are. You have shown me what this is. Good for you. That that has got to be hard. it it was very upsetting and it was very hard and it hollowed out a very big piece of me. Mm -hmm. And what someone said to me that really made me strong enough to get through all of that intact and to uh, process it in the way I do, with humor and laughter and by sharing this stuff... um, Someone said to me, you know, all of all that, all that pain that got carved out of you, you mm-hmm. know, it, it made a very deep well that now you can
3: fill with joy. I love that. Amongst your many things that you do, movies and television and, and, you know, audible specials and, and comedy all over the country, you also perform on gay cruises. I do. I got hooked up with, um, Sean Palofsky
2: who I adore,
0: Uh, introduced me to her friend James. And James is the cruise director for Atlantis (laughs) Events, which Which is is a gay gay cruise line line open to men and women. But let's be real. It's me and 5,000 gay men Mm -hmm. uh, on a boat.
3: Yeah, you have a a very gay story about an Atlantis experience. Jen, tell me everything.
0: This is a story about mistaken identities and a gay cruise. With so much to offer.
3: We'll be back with Jen right after this.
4: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
0: we were going to uh europe was the cruise yeah. i we so i yeah. was to fly to barcelona get on a boat and then be on a boat with 5000 gay men as we cruised the mediterranean i can always tell how a trip is going to go by the uber ride to the airport it always kind of sets the tone for the whole thing so <laughs> now this is in the before this is in the before times this was probably 2018 yeah And I get in my little Uber, and I can tell that the little Uber fella, Jose, who's picked me up in a lovely silver Prius with a lot of uh, pine tree air fresheners on it, so I know he's a joker, a smoker, and a midnight toker. So he picks me up, he puts my little bag in, he's very helpful, he's very sweet, Um, and he He's looking at me, though, in the rearview mirror on the whole trip. And I'm like, I really feel like you should be looking at the road. But he keeps looking at me. And I'm like, okay, this is it. He's going to recognize me. I'm on TV. I'm on like one episode of everything. He clearly sees me and and wants to say something to me. So when we get to the airport, he jumps out. He gets my bag out of the trunk. He opens the door for me. And he extends his hand. And he says, I just have to tell you. I love you on Orange is the New Black. And I was like, um, "Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm not. I'm not on Orange is the New Black." Is what I'm thinking in my head. But what I said to him was, um, "Thank you. Our final season is on Netflix. Make sure you <laughs> tune in." <laughs> because listen, I don't care what famous fat person you think I am. As long as you know, I'm a famous fat person.
3: And he thinks you're Leah Delaria. He yeah, thinks I'm Leah right?
0: Delaria. And Shh. so it, it comes up uh, at the airport. I can see that the the lady who's taking my ticket behind the counter, I'm trying to check my bag. She's looking at me. And and I because I said something about like, you know, wanting, I was flying first class. And so I was like, listen, if there's anybody famous on the plane, I need you to sit me next to them. I'm trying to schmooze my way <laughs> into a series. And I'm like, I'm not on oranges to no New Black. Don't even fucking say it, right? <laughs> so I get to Barcelona. We get on the boat. It wow. is me and 5,000 gay men. And I have a very, you know, I have a very boyish haircut. So from behind, they all think I'm a boy. So they keep greeting me the way they greet each other by sticking their junk right up in my trunk. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, excuse me. Excuse me, please don't do that. And they would, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, so sorry. Like, what I'm saying is I got me-tooed on the gay cruise, <laughs> so much more than I ever did on land. But what I did love was for a while, I was, you know, they'd be like, ladies first. And I'd be like, I'd turn around and I'd realize they were talking to me. Like, so now I'm, all of a sudden, I'm a lady, I'm a ma'am. I'm a that yeah. queen, right? It was very, it was very... Uh, feminizing for me. Did that feel good? It did to be on this cruise because I always get called sir in the real world. So in the gay world, me, me with all the, the 5,000 fairy princesses, now all of a sudden now I'm, I'm a girl. <laughs> so we're on this boat not 10 minutes when I realized that I have not brought enough costumes for the occasion. These boys are... I mean, chest harnesses. There was a, a a tea. There was a tea party, a tea dance every day at around four thirty, where they would just put on whatever the theme of the costume for that day's tea dance was, and then and I would just sit in the corner and watch. So the first one is dog tag tea dance. So they're all in all their militia shit, whatever. They're <laughs> little little bullets across their chest and their little camo speedos and their little hats and some of them have whips and some of them are cuffed like it was whew, it was a lot for me to see
3: and this is not dog tag like puppy play this no. is like army navy no girl that's the next day listen to oh, this. Okay, shit. the next day
0: the theme is um animal style oh, of course right not. so so there. i'm not gonna lie there are a lot of them dressed like cocks they thought that was super funny <laughs> and i did too at first there's a lot of them as wasps with their little stingers out and such. Like, it's it's very cute. They really they really were so creative, all of the passengers. It was really amazing to me what they had come up with. But then I saw a grown man dressed as a puppy and another man holding him on a leash and leading him around. And then I started realizing there were several, I mean, four or five puppy and dog uh, conglomerations here on the boat. And listen... I have never seen this. Lesbians don't dress up like this shit. We have like a plaid night, and everybody's like, "Why is this different than any other night?" <laughs> this is so we're on the we're on the boat. I see these puppies, and Jesus this is, I'm what? talking about a, a grown man who is wearing a leather mask with no eye holes and puppy yep. ears, uh, a collar around his neck, uh-huh. like a chest harness, paws on his hands, leather paws. Uh, he's got a up. tail that is—I um, don't know how to say this gingerly. It is inserted. Uh, He—it—it's—it's it's really wagging, and—and and it's being held between his butt cheeks. I'm gonna let you do the rest. It's in his asshole. It's In his ass. He's got a tail, but it's like a big tail. Like I'm not even sure what the physics of this happening are. And I'm like, oh my god, is this guy just getting off the whole time he's walking around the ship? Anyway, and there's another grown man. Leading him around on a leash. And I just, listen, y'all, this would never happen on a lesbian cruise. If you see a lesbian (laughs) dressed up as a dog, that bitch is raising money for an animal shelter. Okay? (laughs) There is no sex involved. She is trying to get you to spay and neuter your cat. Like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) I can't believe this is even happening. And over the course of the week, I get really schooled in a lot of things that boys do. Uh, Someone gave me a whole lecture about enemas and how they have to prep for sex and things like that. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, (laughs) women don't have to do anything. I'm like, you ready? Like... (laughs) What? (laughs) What do you mean? All this prep that they have to do to just have sex. And I was fascinated by it. And I had a million questions. And you know, gay boys will just tell you anything. So I was so happy that I was getting all this information. And then as the trip goes on, I keep hearing about something called the Dick Deck. Now, listen, I didn't know what it was. Uh, I found out it's a deck where they all go to have sex at the top of the boat. And I so I said to James, my little cruise director friend, I was like, I want I want to see this dick deck. He's like, well, you, I mean, you, you can't just go in there. And I'm like, in there just like a you, curtain kid. I can peek around or some <laughs> shit. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be in the mix. I just want to see what's oh, happening fuck. on the dick deck. And he's like, Okay, I know where to take you. So we walk to the very back of the boat. We go up like three sets of stairs, up a ladder to this little (laughs) wooden deck at the back of the boat. And there are windows in front of me. And he goes, that's it. That's the dick deck. And I'm like, oh my, and listen, you can see everything. I don't know if they can see me or not, but I can see them. It's a a two-way mirror. I went and got some fucking popcorn. I am just watching. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. And I see this one big gay fella, like a big like logger man, who um, looked—he he just looked like Brutus from Popeye. Like I, I was like, that guy—he's a bear—is a, a gay guy. Like I, I, I'm trying to rationalize this in my head. You know what I mean? And I see him bend over towards <gasps> the window, right? And I'm like, oh my god! And and clearly he's he's. Um, I mean, if we're going to use the baseball metaphor, he's catching someone uh-huh. else's pitching and, yeah. and, and he's taking one for the team. Let's say that. And he <laughs> is just and and then and I'm I'm laughing. I don't mean to belittle anyone's sexual experience, but it was funny to me to see this big, big man taking it up the ass. It was just funny yes. to me. I found it funny. And so I was laughing and then all of a sudden he locked eyes with me and I was like. No. Oh, my God. Are you fucking serious right now? He locks eyes with me. I'm like, this is the... Gr- I am not going to look away. No matter what you do, I am not looking away. This is it. This is the moment. I am going to stay engaged with you. I kept eye contact with him. And finally, he um, uh, arrived. He got where he was going. And, and never never lost eye contact with me. And I was like, I mean, I didn't really care because I'm like, oh my God, this is a boat of 5,000 gay men. I'm never going (sighs) to see this guy again, right? I mean, there's no way I'll ever see him. Cut to breakfast the next morning. I am just sitting in the corner, quietly trying to eat some scrambled eggs and an English muffin. And he's walking towards me. And I'm like, oh my God, that's that guy. What? How can this be? There are 5,000 gay men on this boat. How can I be seeing him again. This is this is my life. I can't believe this is happening. And he's walking over to me and I'm like, what am I going to do? Am I going to pretend like I didn't see him? How do I handle this? What do I do? And and something in my head just went, you know what, Jennifer? Just fess up to it. It's what happened. Honest communication is what leads to opportunity. Like, just, Jen, just tell him. Just just laugh about it and do what you do. And he comes up to me and he uh, goes, you look so familiar <gasps> to me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I can (laughs) yes, and he goes. Where do I? How do I know you? What do I know you from? And I'm like, I mean, I I think, um, I think maybe I saw you uh, um, last last night. Maybe is was and he and I see it wash over his face (gasps) where he realizes how he knows me, and he goes, "Girl, I am so sorry. I just couldn't take my eyes off of you." What? Yes, he says. Listen. I loved you in Orange is the New Black.
3: Sure. <laughs> did you get to know this guy?
0: He did end up coming to my show, and I told this <laughs> story, and, <gasps> and everybody laughed, and, and he took a lot of pictures with me afterwards and, and bought a lot of T-shirts, God bless him. Stop but it was, it. um, that's the story. He, that really, that really word for word happened. And James, James, the, the sweet little cruise director, He's just, he's like, I don't, why are you telling people I took you up there? You can tell the story, (laughs) but don't tell people
3: I'm the one that took you up there. So where did you learn about gay sex? Because I actually, like, I feel like I never learned about lesbian sex till
0: I had it. My poor first girlfriend. All I knew was that when I touched her clit, her legs would shake. So all I did was touch her clit. That's all I ever did because that like vibration motion was very nice for me. But like, I didn't know that there was more things I could do. Like I had to get with someone else who was like, okay, let me, let me help you, babe. Because nobody teaches us. There wasn't YouTube and all that stuff. I had to to figure this stuff out. And I think maybe I, uh, I asked, I, I was that kind of person. I think I found a lesbian. And asked because I was having sex with a lot of straight girls. I had
3: that problem. You still have that problem. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love you. But I'm gonna be honest. I had to stop that, Jen. I had to stop having. I, I, I mean, I'm married now, but I had to stop falling for straight girls. It was well, just. It's, it was I just don't terrible fall for, for my self-esteem. Girls so much as straight girls fall for me. I know that they do, but it takes two to tango. I know. I know. I know. Going back to chosen families. So I know there's someone who is like a mom to you. Yes. Who is who is that person? Uh, My agent, my sweet Barbara.
0: I mean, the minute I became her client uh, back in 2007, that was so long ago. uh, She uh, I mean, from from that moment, if I was ever anywhere near where she lived, I stayed at her house. Um, when I was, when I was ready to produce a cooking show, she was right there, ready to fund it and produce it and let us practice all the recipes in her house. Um, she has two actual daughters who I adore both of them, uh, artists and creative souls and, and phenomenal people. Uh, which doesn't surprise me because they were raised by this phenomenal woman. And Mm. she's just always there for me. I mean, I've called her crying on holidays, like, what what do I do? And I've called her, you know, elated. Oh, my God, I just booked this thing. And she's like, yes, finally, great. This is all, you know, so. Do you tell her everything? I I tell her a lot. I mean, I tell her more than I ever told my actual mother, that's for sure. All right, Jen,
3: let's call your agent.
1: I'm felling right now. Oh, my God. I could cry. She's so sweet. <laughs> what do we call you, Barb? Barbara, Barbara. Just, you know, I'm in sales. Call me anything you want. Just call. Um... <laughs> I love
3: you. As Jen's agent, just explain to people, like, what that means that you do. People who don't know.
1: You know, listen, here's the deal. You know, if you work with me, it's like I'm, I'm a different sort of agent. Like, you come to my house, you stay, if you like my dogs, you like my cats, and you like my food. You have to eat and if you're not hungry you still have to eat and then um (laughs) eat some more and then you know we talk about the rules of the road and as long as you do what you do and i'll do what i do i mean it's and it's been great i mean you know it's um and jen just became family i mean it's it's you know i feel like jen is the gay daughter i never had (laughs) so what i do is um basically i call colleges to see if they want to bring her in because she's beloved on college campuses all around and then we've morphed into the performing arts stage because I said, you know, Jen can be like just what you've seen. She can be like, you know, as butchy as you want to be, as, as gay as you want to be. She's <laughs> just this funny Southern girl who just tells great stories. And I said, you know what? How about opening this up to the performing arts market? Yeah. And you don't even have to acknowledge anything about your preferences. It just is who you are. And so what's happened is that the most conservative Bible belters have embraced Jen Wow. They, are, they love her. And, you know, and all it meant was tweaking a few words. Um, and It was great.
3: Does that mean then that like maybe uh, are, you, are you thinking more like southern places or more Midwestern or
0: where all, is that?
1: All of the above. Yeah, okay. we're
3: everywhere.
0: We're we've, everywhere. Got,
3: so, we've got gigs from Detroit to Miami to Buford, Georgia. So these places, Georgia. <laughs> these places well. that are more conservative, be, yeah, educate me can you be open about being gay? Or is that not part of the bit? Like, but not part you know what, of the you
1: know what? act? Y- here's the deal. You are who you are, right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't believe in censorship. I learned that a long time ago. You have the right to flip this channel, right? So I'm never yes. going to censor her. I can say, if you want to repeat booking, like lose the F-bomb, you okay. know, lose some of the graphic details. And that just makes sense because, you know, you may win the war, but you're going to lose the battle or the battle and lose the war. And what I love, is that when these super conservative areas, the Bible belters, they start repeating her lines. And, and then the best stories are, we go to these conservative areas and they think I'm going to hate her, I'm going to hate her. And then they love her and then they give her big fat tips, which is <sighs> unheard of. So it's like, you know, we are changing the world one laugh at a time. I mean, Aww, truly. yes.
3: What do you think, because this is like, this is, you're hitting on something really important, honestly. The idea that like comedy, just like music is like, is this great um uh level equalizer. yeah an equalizer what what do you think what kind of comedy or even an example of a joke
1: or just what kind of comedy do you think cuts through i think there's a common thread and and you're a storyteller yes and you can close your eyes and you can visualize it um you know listen there are a lot of very funny comics who rely on the shock value of words But that gets tiresome. So when you relate to somebody that, okay, I close my eyes. It's like, all right, maybe I had a different experience living in the suburbs of New York than she did in like, you know, bumblefuck, you know, Louisiana. (laughs) 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 It's true. true. It is true. But the, the stories themselves are the same. And that transcends if it's gay, if it's black, if it's Latino. It's all about families and stories and your culture. And that everyone can put themselves in that and tweak it a little bit. And they relate to it, and that's what makes her relatable,
3: right? I mean, that is the joy of sharing our own stories, right? Like, it doesn't matter if you're—we talked about Tracy Ellis Ross earlier, right? Tracy's done this, uh, the show. It's about when we share our personal stories and we own the shit that once embarrassed us or made us feel bad, right? Then that
1: is powerful to us, but it's also powerful to people listening. Hey, but you know what? Doesn't that transcend everything? Everything uh, always break every stigma, break every stereotype. Um, it takes the wind out of somebody else's sail. It's like, you know, I fucked up or I've done this and that. It's like, yeah. and, and I'm not trying to one up you. It's like, oh yeah, well, you know, we've done it too. So it's just being one human to another, except, you know, your talent who's on your shows happens to be extraordinarily funny. So you can get yeah. on stage and not be nervous. That's right. And like Jen, you know, I asked Jen,
3: Jen totally chime in, but I asked Jen, I said, what is like one thing that was painful that you've gotten
1: the best material? And she said her mom. You know what? Her loss is my gain. I mean, you know, you know, truly, Jen has been the big sister to my girls. When my older daughter moved out to L.A. and didn't have a car, Bev became my daughter's car. So all, my daughter, who's a size zero, this tiny little, very girly girl with her little you know, cute outfits, all of a sudden she got out of this, you know, little dyke mobile um, with the rainbow cars and everything and fat girl flaps and everything. And so, hi there, can you park my car? So it's like, you know, how great, how great is that? Barb you're
3: you're wonderful. Um you know I love to end every show by asking uh our guest and their mom or mom figure what they love most about each other. Jen, do you want
0: to say what you love most about Barb? Oh, oh my god, the list. <laughs> the list. Hi. But it's really it's really just that she's always there. Like she could be getting on a plane to Costa Rica and and you know, have 75 things going on. And if I call her, she picks up the phone. And I'm like, Barbara, you got to zap me $200. I have nothing until next week. And she's like, okay. And 10 minutes later, I have $200. Like, she's just so available and so ready. And if I had called her uh, crying to talk about something and she was had somewhere else to be, she'd be like, I'm getting on a plane. I'm going to call you right back. I land at 1220. At 1225, I will be calling you. Like, she's just... There, she is always there. She has always got time for me and my bullshit. And she, <laughs> she always always fixes things that I need fixed and doesn't give me a hard time about it, you
1: know? Definition of a mom. Yes. I think what I love the most about her, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this today, is that first and foremost, she's a great professional. Mm. And we are business partners. Um, right. is right. loyal as the day is long. You know, we broke up for a minute because, you know, she got bullied by some guy, an agent, right? Jen, remember yes. that?
0: Yes, oh, that was the worst was, like year said, ever.
1: Yeah, the door is always open. Um, and, you know, it's like, you know, we can just talk about our own personal shit, health stuff, love stuff. Um, we cry together. I mean, it's, um, and then when she goes on stage, man, it's like, it's on. And when I watch that audience, I mean, I, I am bursting with pride. And what do you love most about Jen, Barb? Um, her BLTs.
3: Jen, you never made me a BLT, bitch. Oh my God. Oh my God.
0: Every Jewish girl loves bacon. The tomato is a fried green tomato, and then I fry a wheel of cheese. Bitch, make me a BLT. I've been in your house long enough, many times.
3: And that recipe was tested uh, in Barb's kitchen. You guys are wonderful. Uh, Jen, I'm so happy that you got to be here and share your story, some things that I never knew. And Barb, I've heard about you for so long. Uh, I'm so sweet. glad you got to join us from New York. Thank you. All right, you guys take me out? Yep. If it's not one thing, it's your <laughs> Thank you for listening, my friends. I hope you had fun. Isn't she the best? Like, I could literally listen to Jen all the time. And I'm lucky because I get to hang out with her outside of this podcast. So uh, I hope you had fun. Do us a favor. Leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It really helps us get this podcast out there. And please send me a DM. Let me know what's going on. At Don't Tell My Mother and at Nikki Levy on Instagram. We love you. We love you no matter what remember our moms that how to push our buttons because they're the ones who installed them mm-hmm. don't tell my mother is created hosted and executive produced by Nikki Levy my daughter the show is executive produced by John Cryer. oh my god I love him and Lisa Joyner and Jody Zuckerman Weiner at Discount Sushi our producer is Liza Glukoff. co-producer Andrew Condon. mixed and edited by Donovan Bullen Theme song by Donovan Bullen and Joe McKenzie.
1: Distributed by Acast. Now go
3: call your mothers.
2: Just don't.